Welcome to So Many Wrong Notes. <laughs> the podcast where two Asians squabble about music. Episode 3. Yay! <laughs> it's so unlike me to be enthusiastic that I, know. I am. Jeanette just laughs. I'm just like, when is the last time you've said, yay! <laughs> Ever. <laughs> 20 seconds ago. Well, anyways, so, yes. <clears throat> Jeanette, I've got a question for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about your first time? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So what I mean is your first time playing with another musician. Oh, mm, sure. Well, oh, I had all these fun answers ready. Um. It's actually very young because my brother's a cellist, so I grew up playing with him, and uh, I think that was the most, uh, just like playing with a cellist, getting used to that, and playing a lot of reductions of these little hiding controls he was doing. Not little, they're big. And then I played duets a lot with other pianists, so yeah. Around how old would you say you started playing with other people? Ah, I don't know. Let me think. I can't really place it. I think I probably started playing with him ever since I was maybe nine. Wow. So yeah. I think your experience as a pianist uh, playing with other people is could be different from a lot of other pianists. Because, you know, piano is one of those instruments where you can actually go a long time without playing with other people. Yeah, right? because yeah. Because there's so much solo rep out there. And you can put a piece by, uh, together by yourself. Well, so, yeah. I mean, that's the Go reason ahead. why pianists are crazy. Yeah. Because you spend exactly. all this time alone with your head. Exactly. It's an awful place. <laughs> it, it, is, it can be an awful place. <laughs> Anyways, what was your first time, Franny? Oh, my God. it's I was older than you were. That's because you didn't um, have a brother. Actually, I do have a brother. I mean, that played the cello. He didn't play the cello. But he did play the violin. Oh, okay. And I think... Why did I think you were the only child? I don't know. You never mentioned your brother, maybe. That's why. That's that's fair. But my brother played the violin. And I think my first time playing with another musician was with my brother. Mm. And it was probably one of those Suzuki things. Oh, Vivaldi? It might have been Vivaldi. It might have actually been simpler than that. It might have been like, it might have been like a Twinkle Twinkle or something. Really? Not even yeah. Dvorak humoresque. I I love that one. That's a great piece. I know. I, I eventually got there. Yeah, but if if we're talking about the first time, then mm. it was probably like Twinkle. twinkle. Does yeah. Twinkle even have an accompaniment? I think so. Really? I don't I'm remember sure it, it having an accompaniment. Oh. I, I'm thinking of those like little books that I used to teach little kids and where the teacher has um, a line of duet that they play yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess maybe it's like that. It's like chords. It, yeah. It's, I, it was pretty simple. Mm. It's pretty simple. But that's kind of funny that it was, for both of us, it was our brothers. Our brothers. <laughs> <laughs> 
brothers changing the lives of everyone. Brothers, exactly. The only difference is that your brother is actually a very successful musician, right? You should kind of yeah. promote your brother a little bit. He's very Tell successful. Tell us about your brother. Well, he's um, he's a great cellist. When he was young, people called him the next Yo-Yo Ma because he wore his hair parted in the middle. And he's <laughs> Chinese, and he's very charming. Um, <laughs> and he's he's pretty good looking for a Chinese guy. So, you know, Yo-Yo Ma was the natural connection. Besides the cello playing part. Yeah. I'm promoting my brother in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> He's married, so unfortunately, you can't do anything with that information. But, um, yes, he was a great cellist, and he's, he's taught me a lot about how to be a musician, how to be um, a chamber musician, but also just how to practice, how to perform. And he, because he's figured it out first, you know, he kind of yeah. went through that, and he's got three years above me, so... It's still close enough for him to relate to the angstiness. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's the pr- associate uh, principal of New Jersey Symphony. So That's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a very musical family you have. But, <coughs> excuse me, but really, I'm only bringing this up because today I want to talk about playing with other musicians because... <laughs> Especially as a keyboardist, because, like I said before, we come to that pretty late. And typically, typically, yeah. And you actually have a lot of, I think, authority or at least experience with working with others, other musicians, Hmm. because that's your job. Yeah, that's my job. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought it'd be fun to kind of ask you questions and learn more about ensemble playing sure mm-hmm. so why do you prefer to play chamber music versus playing solo sure yeah it's a good question um a plus for you um the i kind of hinted at it before the whole um staying in your own head makes you crazy uh mm. especially as a musician on a you know, majoring in music in a conservative setting, high pressure, you start to get really self-absorbed, hung up on things that don't really matter, um, on like tiny little details of technique or perfection, which overall, you lose sight of what's important about music, right? Like communicating, yeah. having a direct outlet and making sure that's understood. Um, with chamber music... I feel like it transcends a solo recital. And and in this way in particular, like a solo recital, you're conveying your point of view. And that's only one point of view for people to connect to. But with chamber music, you have four or five other people that you have to convey a point of view to first and then have their point of view be understood by you and then have that create a larger and more transcendent understanding of the music. Because it's five people's point of view and also them coming to an understanding above that. So I feel like that will reach more people because it is a more pure form of music. Does that sound ridiculous? No, it doesn't sound ridiculous. I just want you to clarify what you mean by more pure. I'm yeah, no, pure. that's a that's a funny word. I don't mean more pure. I meant more um, communicative. Ah. Because one point of view is narrow. It's just by nature of being one. But I think in the process of making somebody you play with understand you or opening your mind to what they're doing 
you broaden your view. You broaden your viewpoint and you embrace it and you embody more. And I think that's what chamber music does to you. And that's what it does to the music. It embodies more and yeah. it welcomes more people in. I, I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you. Can you think of an, like a specific example? Let's say like you had this piece where you had a certain idea. Sure. And then you were in rehearsal and it it became something else because of the collaborative process? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, let's say the uh, recent one is the Rachmaninoff cello sonata. So um, a pianist has played a lot of Rachmaninoff and a cellist hasn't. So I came into thinking, all right, I have a very strong viewpoint of how Rachmaninoff should go based on all the solo works that I played. And I'm playing like super um, gushy and super romantic and like all these gestures and really making sure the climax is the climax. And then Isaac, my cellist, he's he's very much like my counterpart musically. Like mm. I am I am very energetic <laughs> and sometimes erratic. You know, like I, I just go really fast a lot yeah. of the times um, and I get really excited and really loud. Um so Isaac is more like he likes to explore the softer side of things. He's more of yeah. an intimate player. Um, it's not that he doesn't get excited. He's very musical, but he uh -huh. likes to really explore the inner musicality and, and conveying a lot of various pianos. Yeah. Um, and so with the Rachmaninoff, I'm already going full out. And the beginning is kind of, it's not full out writing. It's like mm -hmm. Rachmaninoff, but it's, it's subdued, it's submerged. Yeah. And so he got me to just kind of consider what it would be like to play it all under a certain dynamic and to be extremely steady with the tempo uh -huh. and to see what happened and, and 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 i was totally convinced because i saw that i was actually listening to the more subtle phrasings within the measure because the tempo wasn't all over the place like it it just controlled the environment so i actually could listen to the line going up and down like the uh, accompaniment line going up and down. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, I think that playing chamber music has made me grow so much more um, than playing by myself because I'm not aware of things. So. What do you mean you're not aware of things? I would never have come to that conclusion oh, so quickly. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I, see. I see. But I'm also not aware of my faults. Like, other people point them out very clearly because it affects the overall sound in the overall piece. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't know when I'm rushing a lot of the time, which is like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true of everybody, frankly. No one really knows that they're rushing. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, mean and then you listen to it back and you're like, oh, yeah. dear God. I mean, <laughs> in the heat of the moment, sometimes you don't realize you're rushing. It happens to everybody. Do you but, ever get I mean, those dirty looks, though? Like when you're rushing? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's like Teresa gives me the stink eye. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like... <laughs> but I mean, in a, in a sense, you're telling me that one, in like a philosophical sense, you are happy to be playing in a group because they can teach you things about the music that you had, you would never consider by yourself. Yeah. But then the other thing is that you like working within a chamber group because they also hold you accountable. Well, yeah, it, it all goes to our greater goal of like everything I do, I want to be a better person from. Uh huh. And so I, I think that you can lose track and be too wrapped up in your ego in a solo instrument. And that's not to say soloists are like that, but I, I can see myself yeah. doing that. And I think that chamber music is just 
well it's frankly it's so much more fun but it also is just like better for me you know (laughs) (laughs) like i feel like i can better serve in my role yeah as a pianist yeah i see great well you just mentioned your role but what do you think the role of the keyboard player is in a chamber group another good question um well we have the whole score in front of us right yeah and um usually usually wait when do you not there are times when i haven't oh you mean like in a bigger chamber ensemble right in a bigger chamber ensemble or sometimes the parts that are available are just your part hmm it happens more in early music where you just kind of have a bass part oh that's right Yeah, yeah yeah and you actually have to realize it right yeah but anyway but normally yes you're right you normally have the full score yeah, and I think that actually informs your role because um, you're kind of a leader in some respects, in rehearsals at least. You're keeping people in the right place and mm. where they're lining up, and you're kind of pointing out to them, oh, you guys have the same line here. Or you guys actually have to, you know, your dynamics are converging at this point. Are, because because with the score, you don't ha- without the score, that's not really clear to you how things line up together. Yeah. So in that way, you have... It's your duty to do that, to point out to people when things are supposed to be uh, musically together or musically aligned. Yeah, I mean, that's a very practical uh, role, and I think it's a very important role. And I think, yeah, that is definitely the keyboardist role. Oh, you want more theoretical? Well, no, 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 no. I just want to I just want to get more philosophical because i'm a philosophical guy yeah Uh, why okay you have the score Mm -hmm. do you think that you as a keyboard player as a pianist kind of walk in with a better understanding of the piece in the first rehearsal well no because as you would assume that people around you have studied the score as well yeah it's just like you can't they can't write in every other part in there yeah, no. So I it's still like something that you can see more easily. So you're saying that your role is basically sort of in rehearsal to be the glue of the ensemble and just kind of sort of be a taskmaster on how things line up. Oh, can you see me being a taskmaster? <laughs> I can sort of see you be. I can sort of see really? you being a taskmaster. Yeah. Oh, huh. okay. Fine. I take that as a compliment. Um, uh, no, no, I mean, no. you said a good word there, though. The glue. I think yeah. that's that's um, I identify with that word, actually. Um, I think that very much a keyboardist will always have the underlying accompaniment in most cases will mm-hmm. be sort of the pulse, um, often the the rhythm section. And so yeah. therefore it does it. It is up to the keyboardist more so than other instruments to keep things going. So do you feel do you find that? Oh, yeah, I definitely find that. I think especially with Baroque music, oh, yeah. the bass line is everything. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, my situation is unique because normally I'm playing the same part as a bass instrument. Right, right. And so we need to have this Vulcan mind melt with our bass players <laughs> so that we are this kind of one conception of the bass line. But... Definitely, yeah, you are kind of the glue. And yeah, I'm glad you said rhythm section because that's what you are. You are really mm-hmm. the foundation 
of of the group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything's springing off of you, and that's certainly true in later music, chamber music, that you play. Mm-hmm. You know, where the pianist tends to hold the ensemble together, and it's your responsibility to really play that role. Yeah, and also, likewise, as a rhythm section, you're not always in the forefront. Usually, the melody instruments are in the forefront. I mean, true, the piano can have a lot of notes to play, Mm -hmm. but your job is to provide a texture often and, (laughs) and to make the other instruments, like, to color the other instruments. And uh, that's something that's sometimes really hard to do. So I feel like it it, it really stretches my concept of color, (laughs) like makes me have much more varied sound because I think I'm soft. And then uh, Evelyn will turn to me and be like, can that be softer? And it's like, I'm playing (laughs) soft. What? (laughs) You can't hear me. And it's like, oh, wait, people can. You can hear. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's different. It's different than like solo piano because. Do you remember, like, in your lessons, the teacher would always be like, that piano won't be heard in the back of the hall. Yeah. You have to still make your piano speak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not the same here. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also have a small hall, but, you know, but you're right in that it really does make you focus on color. Yeah. And you tend to have more of a dynamic range than you think you do, right? Exactly. I was, yeah. like, surprised. Yeah. And you would think, oh, this is so soft. But then in the context, it works. You know, one thing that I would say, um, I always ran into a tr- uh, like a sort of battle with my teachers in that aspect. Because yeah. there's softs that I wanted to do. I wanted to feel these like really special, intimate moments. Uh-huh. And they'd be like, that's too soft. Like every single one of them, Bob McDonald, uh. Logan, so they'd just be like, that is too fucking soft. <laughs> it's like, I appreciate the intent, but no, you can't play that way. But here they love that. They're like, oh. they're like enthralled with the really softness. Isaac's like, I've never heard a pianist play as soft as you. It's like, oh, it's like I'm not playing almost. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like it's, it's it's like, I guess even Borowski, he was like, that's a Jeanette thing. I was like, oh. Uh, so it, it like it really is noticed in chamber music because another yeah. thing about chamber music playing I love is that everyone is listening so much more. Uh-huh. Like, have you noticed this in solo? playing especially when you have to memorize you become kind of route oh yeah 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 and and you want to reproduce what you've done in your practice on stage because that's that's well the mark of a solid pianist i guess exactly but in chamber music you're really in the moment like you're listening and reacting because if you're not in the moment you can't react and you have to be one with their minds and so you have to anticipate and like be there with them right there and so you can't be on route ever (laughs) No, I mean, that's totally true. That is something that I do love about ensemble playing is oh, yeah. being surprised and being happy to be surprised. Yeah, like you had that story about the Brahms violins, not a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, was it sort of the reaction of the sound that created that special moment, like you reacting to the violinist and then him reacting to you reacting to him, creating like a sort of... Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's exactly right. I am. Um, I think, I mean, if you know the Brahms G major violin sonata, I think it's a very scary opening. Oh, I yeah. love that sonata. 
But it's a very scary opening, don't uh-huh. you? Think? <laughs> oh yeah. Because it's a it's this beautifully spaced G major chord that has to be soft, <laughs> and and voiced ca- so well, like yeah, and it just needs to create this gorgeous cushion so mm-hmm. that the violin can sing, and I just really remember. I was really happy with how I played that chord, yeah, which is very rare for me, <laughs> and then. <clears throat> and then having the violin react and it just created this special like oh we're really creating music together and yeah because he probably was just like holy shit what was that color all yeah. right <laughs> so yeah i mean these kind of magic moments happen because you're playing with someone else and it's really hard to do that when you're playing by yourself yeah i mean so. you you've you've talked about how when you're playing with yourself you often get into a mind game with yourself right yes yeah i'm sorry i'm 12 years old so i had to laugh with playing with myself <laughs> i'm i'm not specific enough i'm so sorry you know because my mind is not in the gutter already like <laughs> but i'm sorry i just ruined your great point by by my immaturity i don't have any great points. oh shut up no but, the, but you're right i do tend to get into my own head too much when I, I think a lot of us do yeah yeah and i mean that's not to say that i don't get into my own head when i play with other people but i think it becomes less like when i stop focusing on myself and just start listening to other people i just feel like it becomes so much better yeah in many ways um as you're, you're kind of forced to go out of your own head mm-hmm. like it's just um you have to look at somebody for a cue that that gets you out of your head exactly yeah exactly so I just want to switch gears a little bit and just kind of get into the nitty gritty of how to rehearse. Sure. Right. Because yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Because a lot of I don't know. I remember my first kind of real chamber music experience. It was a Dvorak trio and it was my first time playing. First of all, first time playing with strings other than my brother. Yeah. And then. It was my first time just playing with in a in a trio. So yeah. Was, so I just remember feeling very awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I just want to ask you, how is it different working with strings than with anybody else? Oh, this is well. Okay, first off, I just want to say I wanted to interrupt you and say my first trio was a Dvorak trio too. Oh, I know, I know. High five! Woo! That was a Skype high five for you. Wait, what? Which one was it though? I wish I could remember, but I don't. (laughs) Was it the one that starts kind of like the Brahms piano quintet? No. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't even remember the key. It was just awkward. And the other thing that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable in that chamber music situation, by the way, was the other string players were older than me and more experienced. Yeah. And so I just felt uncomfortable with that. So, I mean, yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, that happens in a lot of chamber groups. So I I guess the first thing that I noticed in that chamber experience was how different it was working with strings. And so since you do that every day, I thought you could articulate that better than I could. So what do you think <laughs> is different about working with strings, especially if you're used to playing by yourself? Well, I'm going to turn that back to you later. But um, okay. 
<laughs> I mean, what's different about working with strings? One, well, I have several answers to this, or several different stories, I guess, to illustrate. Mm -hmm. But um, the main thing is that I love how string players work. Um, and this is kind of a generalization that usually holds true, is that most are direct. Um, they don't beat around the bush. They don't try to knock the other person down. And I think this is probably because string players grew up playing in ensembles and they grew up playing in orchestras. So mm -hmm. there's already a knowledge of how to work with each other or yeah. a knowledge that we're not out to get each other. Whereas, like, for example, I would tell my teacher that I was playing for other pianists to get ready for this competition. And he goes, be careful when you're playing for other pianists because they don't yeah. always have your best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh... Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> but the thing with string players, and that's that's why, like, when I was in my undergrad, I, I hung out with string players, and I played for them, and I found that so much more helpful because they would give me criticism without any other intent than to just help me make it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love that and just teaching me. Um, so, yeah, the the thing with being in any chamber music rehearsal is that the typical pianist personality is not, does not hold up. Like, and and what do I mean by typical per pianist personality? It was kind exactly, of exactly, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a it's a personality that is very perfectionist, that is very mm -hmm. um, very sensitive, and also like overthinks everything. Yeah, and I I found it interesting because. Every summer, there's one weekend where we play with other pianists, and we do piano duos and piano like forehands and um i found it difficult to rehearse with some pianists because they got defensive really quickly mm -hmm. and i don't find that the case with string players because they're very direct and they don't mean anything else but than what they mean so yeah. like i i often find myself i have to tell myself this all the time like somebody will say something to me uh, maybe Isaac and I'll like start thinking about it. I'll like start stewing on it. It's like, did he mean this? I mean, I, I, I catch myself like thinking about what they say and then thinking it reflects like a larger comment on my playing. Mm -hmm. Like um, if Isaac might say to me, like, can we try doing this? Uh, um, shoot. <sighs> I had a really good example. Okay. Oh, no, I just think that, like, if they say something to me about rhythm or being more even somewhere, then I'll be mm -hmm. like, oh, man, they must think I have really shitty rhythm. And I'm just, like, like not a good pianist. Like, they have to actually tell me to be even here. Mm -hmm. Whereas if, if I actually believe that, if I really internalize that, then I would not be able to work with them without getting defensive. Yeah. Um, or, like, thinking something is a barbed attack on my playing. Um. It's instead, it's just a very efficient way of going about it. Like we don't actually talk that much in rehearsals. Um, often things get fixed by playing it again. Mm -hmm. And then there's no need to really say a lot mm -hmm. because everyone's kind of you trust. Everyone's aware of it because they are. I mean, yeah. they, they will prove that they're aware of it. Um, but when we do talk, it's to fix direct problems. It's and, and nobody's getting offended when it's like, hey, Evelyn, you're not even here are her you and Teresa are not playing together like I, I can say that to them and nobody gets offended I'd be like Evelyn your stroke is different from Teresa's it sounds weird like it doesn't match and they just try it again to get it to match and that's it so. so 
you kind of appreciate the different culture. I appreciate it. I appreciate the modeling for me of how I should really think. Uh, almost like it's just this efficient, like we have a problem, let's solve the problem method of thinking instead of we have a problem, it's all my fault or we yeah. have a problem, I'm a horrible musician, right? And it's basically like get over yourself. Yeah. Like in so many words or <laughs> not so many words. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned, uh, you know, different strokes. Mm-hmm. What are some like kind of nitty gritty? Oh yeah, uh, that's that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, nitty gritty kind of tricks or tips you have in working with strings, like yeah. for example, you know, matching, even as a pianist, matching their strokes, or even just being playing together with them. Sometimes yeah, is difficult. playing together with string players is different from playing together with. Um, well, it's different from playing with winds, but it's also different from playing with pianists. And and one of the main things is that it takes a while for a string player to bloom in sound. So they will give a cue, but you don't play right away at when you think the cue is supposed to be. You, you wait a tiny bit. And you also, like, I mean, your attack depends on how they're attacking. But, like, and you can see if their bow is on the string or a little, they're coming from above, whether or not it will be quick or whether or not they'll have a bite to it. But um, like in long, slow passages, like chorale-like passages, I, I do wait a second more or a split second more. Just I find that helps me actually play into their sound at the moment that they want to play that. Instead of I, I was always anticipating for a long time. And I was just like, God damn, like, why am I? <laughs> and, and, and with pianists, I have to switch gears. Like you, you just play at the same time. Like you just play. <laughs> it's, it's like, you just play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I mean, um, and, and the other thing that's interesting is sometimes like the violinist like looks at my hands a lot uh-huh. to know when to, to, to be with me. And I don't have that vantage point. Yeah. But my brother told me this cool trick because like one of the hardest things I find is like doing those like quick 16th note into the end, like uh-huh. uh, the double note end, like the divor- end of Dvorak Piano Quintet, right? Like duh, yeah, duh, yeah. duh. And I, I was I was not getting I get it like 50% of the time I'm just like why can't this be solid and then he goes look at the frog of her bow and uh. and it's so true like look at that and it was amazing like I was always with her and I was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like chamber music hack 101 <laughs> <laughs> chamber music hack 101 yeah, yeah. <coughs> excuse me are you dying um, well we're all dying <laughs> Such a fucking smart aleck answer. How did you become comfortable with that? Because, you know, I remember just being uncomfortable with that string delay that you described. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about my first chamber music experience. Mm -hmm. I I remember noticing that and someone commenting about that. And I just felt so awkward about it because it felt like I was late all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you become comfortable with that? What well, were some strategies you used or was it just experience? I mean, a little bit because I wasn't like super aware of like making myself comfortable with it. Uh-huh. But, but one thing I will say is, um, sorry, um, when, and it sounds a little hokey to say, but I, I, I really do try to play into their sound. And when I do that, it makes me anticipate when they're going to play something better. 
So it doesn't feel as unnatural because it's also a matter of thinking like a string player. And that, yeah. that's also like it's kind of vague to say that to somebody who's just starting. Right. Yeah. But after a while, you really start to think in terms of strokes. I think I think you probably naturally think that way because you played a harpsichord. Like there's a certain amount of stroke and articulation in your in the in the writing itself. Yeah. And you have to think in terms of that. Right. Like. No. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely thinking about the stroke. And I'm really trying to watch the bow all the time mm. so that we have the same conception of that note, right? Yeah. Because you can tell how a string player wants to play a note. Yeah. By, how by the way approach. they approach it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I try to approach the key the same way. And you know what's cool is if you play with an ensemble, as in like you have your own ensemble and you play with each other over and over again, and you're part of a professional ensemble. You start to notice their um, facial tics when you're going to do a certain thing. Oh, yeah? Like, like Teresa has a certain face when she's going to do something really sweet or <laughs> really slow. It's just a certain face. Like, her eyes go up and then she, she, she hates it when I, when I remark on her faces. But, like, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just like you don't think about it, but, like, I notice it and I yeah. use it also as a way to uh, guarantee a certain outcome. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So you play mostly with strings, but you mentioned briefly about playing with wind instruments. And yeah. Can you, and frankly, I, I don't think you'll care if I say this, you're dating a wind player, so you play with him a lot. Yeah. Um, can you talk about what you think the difference is in playing with wind players versus string players? And yeah. then, here's a, it's a multi-pronged question. Oh and my then, God. <laughs> so... <laughs> the difference between playing with a wind player versus playing with a string player. Mm-hmm. Got that. And then I totally forgot the other prong, and it was brilliant. <laughs> was it a trident? I mean, okay. Just let's start with that first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll come to you. I'll come to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, the difference I found, you know, I mentioned the delay, the sort of. Yeah the string sound blooms a little later. Um, with wind players, there's a different sort of delay that goes on, like horns, uh, French horn players. It just takes a while for the note to speak. Mm. And so it's, it's actually a more pronounced delay, but it's not like a delay of bloom, but it's just like you, you literally have to wait. And then just like when you think they're going to play, you calculate it in a, lo- a, a little millisecond or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's also great like I love so in my graduate school I played a lot with wind players and brass like I guess like a lot of pianists did not want to play with them so I was just asked to do everything mm-hmm. which is which is um, great for for rep but also good for friendship like they're cool yeah. people they're chill they're not crazy usually um, yeah. Uh, yeah but uh, I love just the naturalness of the breath the necessity of the breath it becomes so evident when you should feel a phrase with them because pianists forget to breathe a lot actually yeah yeah um and and it just like it's like playing with a singer um Mm -hmm. one of my favorite instruments to play with is oboe i just like there's so so much involved physically that you cannot Mm -hmm. help but feel the the same thing oh yeah 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 Yeah. oh i mean i just and 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 one good thing about playing with horn or playing with uh um yeah, with oboe, actually, is you don't have to worry about covering them up, really. 
That's true. I mean, oboe a little less than horn. Horn and saxophone, I was just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is great. You can play a lot. I mean, and trombone, too. Yeah. Well, trombone, you play a lot because you have... A lot of notes. So many notes. Normally. I know. So many notes. The other prong of my question was, what would you say... Yeah, I remembered. What would you say is sort of the cultural difference between playing with winds versus strings? I mean, you sort of mentioned it because you said, you know, wind players tend to be really good people and kind of cool people. Yeah. But can you elaborate? What Do you think there's a cultural difference between those two instrument groups? I do. I do. And I think this is something that holds true because of the, the physicality of playing each instrument. Um, wind players just cannot get as neurotic as string players are in, in practicing um, because they can't physically have that endurance. Like, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. Scott will... I mean, I did this recording session for his his audition tapes and he he could only really play each piece through once yeah. maybe a second time if but it, it really depend on if his face really hurt That's or right. not i should yeah. say scott is your boyfriend oh yeah yeah bassoonist yeah. but uh, anyway yeah but yeah you're right um i always admire wind players and it's such a weird thing for me as a keyboard player because if I am in pain when I play a keyboard instrument, I know I'm doing something wrong. Right. That's not necessarily the case for a wind player. Yeah, and they're just they're just really smart about pacing. Like uh, mm. I play for a lot of French horn recitals. The week before the recital, they have everything planned out, um, and 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 I think what makes them more normal, in my in my opinion, uh-huh. is that. They're forced not to spend so much time at their instrument. So they, they develop their musicianship in other more comprehensive ways. Like they really study the music. They really listen to a lot, but they also analyze a lot. And they, they also gain experiences as a human being living life. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but I mean, it's not like they're not thinking about the music. Um, I think Aaron described this to me because I could see Aaron being a neurotic pianist if he was one. But he spends most of his time either making reads studying the score he studies the score more than i've seen anyone else study scores and and just like also learning about the composer a lot like he gets really mm-hmm. into that oh sorry aaron, aaron sorry aaron hills um an oboist that um we've had at garth Newell this past summer he's an old friend of mine from yale and uh he's a great person he's like a really fun person and he's now teaching at uh wyoming madison is it Wisconsin? Madison. Wisconsin, yeah. University of Wisconsin Madison. Yeah, sorry. Which Madison is a beautiful place. I don't know if you've ever is been, it? but it's, it's really beautiful. Oh, I have no idea. But that's I a just think cows. Yeah. But that's a complete change of subject. But yeah, I think you're right. I never considered how the physical limitation that you have of not being able to play your instruments for hours kind of rounds you out. It makes you let go in a yeah. way. Yeah, like yeah. uh I, I was always kind of admiring of like the sort of like, what will happen, will happen attitude. Yeah. Because I'm I'm the type of person that will practice to the last minute before a concert. I, I'm literally at the piano, like cramming out these notes and trying. I was like, I can still fix this. It can still work. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> whereas like, I probably could have played better if I just let it go. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. can't be I too know. anal. No, you can't. But I feel like... It's just hard, at least for me, and I know it's hard for you to just yeah. let go. But <laughs> well, I mean, did you have a specific uh, answer as well when you asked that question? Because it seemed like you did. About the cultural difference? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I have a better time with 
<laughs> with wind and brass players. Yeah. Um, from from in my experience playing with strings, I just feel like sometimes they're too serious. That's true. Yeah. And I admire that, and I also feel like um, there's still room for a fart jerk or a poop jerk, right? <laughs> I Which, mean, we're grossly generalizing here. Yes, we are definitely grossly generalizing. Generalizing, but I yeah, find no, that hard I, to say too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I find that there is kind of a cultural difference, but I'm also not sure if it's if that was fair. I just wanted to see if you thought that way. I actually well. do agree. I, I, for the most part, I mean, I, I'm lucky. My my chamber group here are very fun. Like, yeah, they laugh a lot. And, and sometimes we can't stop laughing. But for the most part, I mean, a lot of string players are really serious. They're kind of like pianists in that way. It's like yeah. you're, you got to get this shit done and you got to make it perfect. But uh, I mean, oh, okay, so I, I'll say this. Adam Unsworth, the French horn professor at University of Michigan, mm-hmm. he, for, for several years, he, he asked me to play for his guest French horn artists. Um, and, and they're like, you know, pretty pretty big names in the French horn world. But we'd always have a rehearsal the day of the performance. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you know, a whole recital to get through. And I'm expecting a string player's time frame, which is like, at least get through every piece and rehearse it a little bit and like make sure it all hangs together. So it's at least a couple hours of investment. Yeah. It was literally like half an hour rehearsal with the French horn guy. Yeah. I was like so surprised, but it was so so nice like you didn't really mm-hmm. have to worry about it and they weren't worried at all there's like yeah. oh let's be fine we don't even have to play through the whole piece because like <laughs> I, I, my chops you know like exactly yeah so i think that does um make them more fun shorter rehearsals for sure but also getting to know them as people getting to know them as people and also i think it they it, in a way it's almost confidence more confidence yes because the amount of preparation and the length of preparation is probably longer than a pianist or a string player because they need to know that they can physically play yeah. through the program and there is a certain limit of how much they can actually play per day. So I think they gain more confidence because they know that they're more prepared. I don't know if it's being more prepared, but I do yeah. know there is a certain amount of confidence you get when you're not overdoing it. Yeah. Like when you worry about something too much, you you doubt yourself more and more. Like, have you noticed like at a certain point in preparation, um, you'll feel pretty good about yourself. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I kind of get it. Like, I'll be OK. And then two weeks or a week before recital, you're just like, this is all shit. I'm I'm not in any shape and I'm going to sound like crap. I'm going to bury my head in the sand right now because I can't face everyone. That's, and it's, yeah. yeah, like I think we overdo it, overthink no, it. Totally right. Yeah. And actually, I sort of had that experience where I just kind of put a piece away for a week mm-hmm. and then I opened it up and I was surprised at how much was there. So yeah. I think there's there's a lot to say for putting things away and letting them percolate. Marinate, simmer, percolate. Okay. S- percolate, marinate, simmer. How does playing chamber music make you a better solo player? Oh, that's a good one. Because I, I still have to play solo stuff at, at Garth in the round. I still have some engagements. And um, I don't know if it makes, well, 
it's hard to judge based on like the past year because everything was so was so frenziedly prepared mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's a good i think one the thing that we talked about with color um having a wider arsenal at my fingertips just allows me to create a larger palette a larger world mm-hmm. a larger narrative it, it allows me to do what i really want to do because a lot of times i really want a certain color that i I would kind of get, but not get, you know, it wouldn't be what I wanted. Yeah. And so that was really frustrating playing solo. Another thing with playing solo is I think that it helped me see a larger picture. Like, um, when you get kind of stuck in a solo playing, you're, you're focused on technique and and fixing certain problems. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're often like have to remind yourself and it's not second nature to think of the whole picture pacing structure mm-hmm. and yeah and how things fit um i think being a part of an ensemble helps me see a larger picture one because like in a in a sort of small sense they remind me of it like oh maybe we shouldn't take too much time here because we're going to take time there so if you yeah. take time here it's going to be redundant i don't have that voice in my head when i'm playing solo but now i kind of do actually like i can mm-hmm. hear that it's just because it's been brought up as a musical point i should remember so wow. I, I would say that yeah what are you obsessed with now okay <laughs> this is possibly i mean nobody uses tumblr anymore right i not as yeah i don't know i don't even or maybe they do. I don't want. I don't mean to insult Tumblr users, but I've only gone into Tumblr for this one website or this one page, and it's called. I'm, I'm like obsessed with this page. Is animals sitting on capybaras? Do you know what capybaras are? Like no. they're like the giant guinea pig. They're like this oh the huge giant pig. Let me let me show you, or you can check it out yourself. Oh like my just, god! Because they're, they're like they're like the the most serene slow moving guinea pigs out there and yeah. and animals just like to sit on them apparently like these are just pictures <laughs> of animals hanging out on the capybaras like i love it there's one with like there there's like three monkeys and they're just like <laughs> he's he's like calmly chewing something and they're just like yay and then there's like a bird kind of serenely on the butt of one and oh my <laughs> like, god i mean just i guess because they're so slow moving yeah. They're, and they're very comfortable. They have these like flat hammer heads and everything. And they're cute too. Oh, they're so cute, but they're huge. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I highly <laughs> recommend checking out this page. It's like worth it. You will get so much entertainment. I will totally go to Tumblr now. Okay, what's okay. your obsession? Well, mine's not as cute as yours, but <laughs> <laughs> lately I've been obsessed with swimming. Really? Yeah, I I go four to five times a week now oh nice yeah and it's like the perfect exercise for me because it's like exercise that doesn't feel like exercise yeah <laughs> i mean well, it's like I'm flying like... right what's that it's like flying right yeah it's almost it's exactly how was i i was going to describe it actually. Oh, shoot, it's almost like you're flying no no that's great it just shows how great minds think alike but yeah it's really <laughs> a lot like flying and it's kind of meditative because you're kind of doing the same thing, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know. I just feel great afterwards. Anywho. Okay, you want to end. Let's end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this brings us to the close of So Many Wrong Notes. New episodes every Sunday available on our website, so many wrong notes.com. 
are through iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And visit our Facebook and Instagram. So many wrong notes are our very Asian Twitter handle. So many wrong note. No s. So many wrong note. No s. <laughs>